market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. For Douglas Ross to stand there and talk about losing grip of a party when he has been leader, Conservatives have had the longest attempted coup in Scottish political history. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Welcome to the Steamy, the Scotsman's politics podcast, where we discuss all the latest goings on in Holyrood and across the wider world of Scottish politics. I'm Alistair Grant, the Scotsman's political editor, and I'm joined today by Rachel Amory, the Scotsman's political correspondent, and Joseph Anderson, who is mostly the Scotsman's health correspondent, but is also covering politics now that Conor Matchett has sadly left us. We're recording this on Thursday, just after First Minister's questions in the Scottish Parliament, which was dominated by one thing and one thing only, Scotland's education standards. Uh, I actually think this is the first time that I can remember in quite, quite some time, actually, that all three political party leaders, the Liberal Democrats, Labour, the Tories, all went in on the same thing, which just shows the kind of level of interest in the Parliament about this. Um, and it's obviously referring to the latest PISA results. That's a programme for international student assessment research run by the OECD, uh, which measures the performance of teenagers around the world uh, and didn't make good reading for Scotland, it's safe to say, highlighted a long-term decline in Scotland's performance in reading, maths, science. You had Scottish Conservative leader Douglas Ross labelling it a national disgrace. We had Scottish Labour leader Anna Sarwar um, essentially urging the First Minister to apologise for quote-unquote destroying Scotland's world-class education system. He was obviously pointing to what he called... 16 years of failure under the SNP. So I think it's safe to say a tricky First Minister's questions for Hamza Youssef, wasn't it, Rachel? Oh, absolutely. Because like you said, this is the first time that all three of the opposition leaders have gone on the same thing. And um, you would think maybe perhaps it would get a bit sort of dull or boring hearing the same answers and the same questions going back, but it wasn't. They were really going for it, weren't they? They were really like wanting to catch up on something and really calling for this apology as well. Um, the bit where Anna Sarwar asked an apology I thought was quite interesting because Hamza Yusuf was, it was a slightly angry response I thought from Hamza Yusuf, basically saying no I will not apologise and then trying to list all the things that um, have gone well for the SNP in, in terms of education. But like you said, the, the, the PISA rankings there's very little good to come out of them, is there? Um, our education correspondent at Callum Ross has been doing so much stuff on it this week um, which you can read on our website and yeah, it just doesn't look good at all, does it? it? No, it doesn't. And I think, I thought it was interesting that Hamza Youssef, on the one hand, was essentially admitting this is a poor set of results. Mm, he did, yeah. Saying that the Scottish government is going to do something about it. It's not something they're complacent about. But on the other hand, he was also kind of launching quite a robust defence of the Scottish government's policy in education, pointing to, you know, things like the, the number of people in Scotland who go to university, the number of people who go on to positive you know, so-called positive destinations, that's education or work, pointing to exam pass rates, and also putting quite a lot of weight in the fact that this is just one set of results. Do you think, what, what did you make of his performance today, Joseph? I think that's a tactic that I've seen the SNP use when they're really rattled about something. I think when they're caught bang to right, I mean, you know, in my field, you mentioned I, I cover health most of the time. During drug deaths, they frequently, they take responsibility, they say, yes, this isn't good enough. 
and then launch an attack on Westminster or launch an attack on the parties that are opposite them. And that's exactly what Yusuf did today. He said, yes, the, the, these results aren't good enough. We take responsibility. But the UK government gave us austerity, but the Scottish Liberal Democrats backed um, increasing tuition fees all those years ago in the, during the coalition government. That, that to me, is um, just testament to how rattled they are by this. I mean, they've been caught back to rights. Yeah, yeah. I think, do you think there's something symbolic about this? Because obviously in Scotland, we've got a kind of narrative about the Scottish education system. You know, whether it's true or not, we've got a story we tell ourselves that, you know, it's world leading, it's the envy of the world. That's both both Douglas Ross and Anna Sarwar said those exact things today, didn't they? Yeah, and it's, it's something that's, you know, this narrative has been going on for, you know, a couple of hundred years. You can trace it back to this kind of pride in Scottish education. And these results throw that into question. Do you think there's symbolism there that's a risk to the SNP and how they're perceived? It could potentially be. Um, so, yeah, as you were saying, Hamza Yusuf very keen to point out that there is just one study and I'm sure if, um, we, if there's any data scientists listening to this podcast, they'd be very keen to be like, yeah, yeah, don't base it off one study. But um, it, it is a big study. There's 81 countries in this study. And while a lot of them did see a drop because of the pandemic, not all of them did. Not all of them did to the same extent as Scotland. Um, the rest of the UK didn't do as badly as Scotland there. I think that's a key point, though, what you're saying, is that you can only blame COVID so far. Everyone's education system has suffered. That's that's indisputable. What is interesting about this is that Scotland's performance has got so much worse when benchmarked across other nations. In particularly stinging is that it's benchmarked much worse against England. Yeah. And Hamza Youssef today is saying that there's going to be a statement by Jenny Roof, the Education Secretary, next week. Uh, obviously, Douglas Ross was trying to kind of uh, highlight the fact that there's a link in terms of long-term decline in these education standards and the, uh, the kind of curriculum for excellence, those education reforms that happened in Scotland. What, what do you think Hamza Yusuf can actually do about this, Rachel? Do you think there, there's no quick fixes, really, is there? I think that's the, the point. The fact they're, the, the opposition parties are very keen to say this is 16 years of decline under the SNP. You can't just reverse 16 years uh, in a flash, so presumably it's going to take almost just as long to to sort of come back from that as well. So yeah, there isn't a quick fix there. Um, I definitely don't envy Jenny Gilruth for next week. It's going to be a hard statement to make. It's going to be hard decisions to do as well. But am I right in saying that Jenny Gilruth herself is a former teacher? Yeah, I think, so, I think she is. Yeah. yeah, so she so she will have some sort of insight as to how things are working, how the curriculum of excellence actually works in schools probably more than some of the other ministers do. So that's probably a good thing to have as an education secretary, real actual in-the-classroom experience of Curriculum for Excellence. So it'll be interesting to see if she draws on that in her statement as well. Yeah, and from one kind of difficulty the government is facing to another, uh, we've obviously got the Scottish budget coming up on December 19th. Everyone's uh, favourite date in the diary. It doesn't feel very festive, does it? This kind of grim cavalcade of things. Uh, coming up on December 19th, we're recording this on Thursday, obviously. Um, there's a special cabinet meeting of the Scottish cabinet tonight uh, exclusively to discuss the budget um, obviously the cabinet was held on Tuesday it's usually held on a Tuesday it's extremely unusual to have more than one cabinet meeting in a week so I think it just shows the level of concern in the Scottish government about this um, and we've seen recently this kind of avalanche of grim warnings from councils from Police Scotland and Joseph you cover health I mean the health service is you know 
I say it's struggling. You know, it seems to have been struggling for an awful long time. It lurches from crisis to crisis is the way that I would describe it. The, the, the situation at the minute, of course, the NHS needs more and more money, but the, the problems that they're facing in, in that point of view come more from recruitment and retention. There's there's no social care. Who wants to be a carer? Um, and so there's no place to discharge people from hospitals. That means the wards are incredibly full. That means nobody wants to be a nurse. And then at the other end of the scale, you've got people coming into A&E that can't get into beds because those beds are completely blocked. It's just you're putting intense pressure on them who wants to be a doctor and right across the, the entire healthcare system. So in the budget sense of the word, um, like um, wages is, is one of the easiest ways that you can yeah. make somebody feel like they're actually valued and that what they're doing is, is worthwhile. But actually, um, a lot of healthcare professionals have actually had a pay cut um, when adjusted for inflation. So they're feeling like they're not valued by the Scottish government and then they're going to work and they're going through one of the hardest jobs that I can imagine doing, whether you're in social care, whether you're in a &E, whether you're on the wards and, and then coming back to a government that, that they feel doesn't value them. So there is no money though, <laughs> which you keep coming back to is that they're between a rock and a hard place. And every yeah. time I covered Michael Matheson and the, um, and the trade union disputes is, is that they are literally stuck with, in a rock and a hard place. There's no money. The people need money. Where does it come from? And they're left with this enormous one billion, at least, uh, hole in the budget. Yeah. That's one of these things. I think with them, um, you could throw the entire Scottish budget at the NHS and it would still not be enough, would it? It would still not quite cover everything it needs to. So it's going to be a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. We've obviously had council leaders warning that they are at risk of bankruptcy if they don't get adequate funding from the Scottish government. We've had warnings from Police Scotland about the impact on their service if they get a flat cash settlement. Uh, it just seems like they're going to make someone unhappy with this budget. It just depends on where the axe is going to fall. Yeah, I mean, I feel, always feel like the warnings in the lead up to a budget, it's never as bad as the worst case scenario before the budget is made out. So all these horror stories that we're hearing just now, I, I would expect it to not be quite as bad when it actually comes to the budget. But that being said, these are quite stark warnings. I mean, these are words that don't like sound good at all to anybody. So somebody somewhere is going to be very unhappy. Cuts are going to have to be made. And you said councils there. I think Falkirk Council's already said that it's going to struggle to balance its books and might have to bring in government civil servants to try and sort things out. Um, last week we had Stirling Council saying it might close all but one of its public libraries because it just hasn't got the cash. So we are seeing some really sort of dire warnings here already. So yeah, it's not going to be an easy one. We're already hearing that there's going to be a council tax freeze. Why, why would the Scottish government want to commit to that it, when, they're, when they're so desperate for money for councils? Yeah, so that, that was a commitment that Hamza Youssef came out with at the SNP conference in October. It was a big kind of crowd-pleasing commitment. I mean, they did it to appeal to, you know, it will be popular among the public. I mean, we've seen that in the Scottish Parliament. Although political parties might say to them, how are you going to fund this? None of them will actually come out against the council tax freeze because they know that it's popular. Um, but I think they, it will be difficult. We don't actually know what fully funded means. They said it's going to be fully funded. You know, what the Scottish government means by that and what councils mean by that will be two very different things. So we'll find out shortly just yes. how angry councils are going to be because I think they're not going to be happy. I think that's And guaranteed. I also wonder, is that what this extra, is that what this extra cabinet meeting is about? We know it's about the budget. Um, we know that while it's not completely unprecedented, it's unusual, is it because they're still sort of grappling with how much money are the councils going to get with this council tax freeze? Is that what the sticking point is? 
not too sure at the moment. We'll yeah. have to wait until the 19th of December to find out if that is what happens tonight. So, and I think the other big speculation in the papers at the moment is what they'll do with income tax. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's been reports that they could introduce a new income tax ban for higher earners. That's been a kind of rumour around Hamza Yusuf for a long time. I mean, it's something that he's spoken about favourably in the past. Uh, I think the danger of that, that the SNP will be very aware of, is that it risks an electoral backlash. Uh, and obviously, we've got a general election probably going to happen next year. What, what do you think? Do you think, I mean, council, the thing with council tax is if they do anything with council tax, that will be the headline. Absolutely. That will be on the front pages, won't it? But yeah, with this sort of sort of wealth tax almost, if you like, because it's um, it would be the higher earners here. Uh, I think it was Kate Forbes was sort of pointing out that, you know, they'll get to a point where it won't help the public coffers. And there is obviously a, a, a sort of a slight risk that people might move down to England where the tax um, bans are not quite as strict. But um, I think on for the whole, if you are sort of trying to be fair, <laughs> fair and balanced here, um, it will help those on lower income, won't it? So there's always that to consider there too. Do you think that the council taxi is is a very um, emblematic uh, bit of legislation for the SNP, along with free prescriptions and with free tuition, and it's it's become such a um, the core belief of the SNP that, 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 that there's just no going back from it now. Well, I, I mean, when I was um, I used to work at the Scottish Borders as a, as a political reporter, and I remember looking at the cost of council tax on one side of the border in the same village. What it was on the on the Scottish side, and, and some of the differences were enormous. You were talking like five hundred to a thousand pounds. So oh, wow. these are huge. I mean, that's obviously a bit of a vote winner for them as well down that part of the road. You know, so I, I do wonder if it's it's just such an emblematic bit of legislation that they, they just they'll just never change it. Well, I mean, they initially promised that they would reform it and they would get rid of it. That was the initial kind of promise when the SNP came to power. Um, I mean, council taxes, I think everyone in politics knows that it's a dated system based on, you know, it's just ridiculously dated. It needs some kind of reform, but no one is willing to do it because it's so <laughs> politically poisonous and would obviously involve people's houses going into different bands or whatever replaces it. Um, it's just no party wants to go there. And, and yeah, the SNP for a long time had this policy of freezing council tax. Um, so they know it's popular. It obviously leaves them with a financial headache. We'll find out on December 19th just how bad that might be. Uh, it could be, I suppose, a bit of a nightmare before Christmas in many ways. Um, but from Holyrood to Westminster, the Scotsman's Westminster correspondent Alexander Brown has the latest on Rishi Sunak and the problematic, in many ways, Rwanda legislation. Hello and welcome back to the Westminster section podcast. We'll just get straight into it. I think we are probably going to have an election earlier than expected for the first time since his premiership, which has been rubbish and he struggled throughout. I think Rishi Sunak is in real trouble. This week, you would have thought we'd be talking about Boris Johnson and his appearance at the COVID committee, where he basically said, shock, he can't remember when asked if he said awful things and he admits he's made mistakes and maybe he should have done other things, which, you know, we all knew. But the real talking point is there is a new Rwanda agreement. Uh, so we've now spent, I think, £200 million taxpayers' money on this deal that hasn't sent a single uh, asylum seeker, also known as person, to Rwanda. And the new deal, the government can't say that it won't break the law again. And Rishi Sunak is in real trouble. Uh, he'd already lost Suella Bravman, a powerful enemy who he sacked 
but he's now lost an ally and a friend in Robert Jemrick, who has resigned saying that he doesn't believe that the government's going to go far enough. Essentially, Robert Jemrick wants the government to leave the European Convention on Human Rights, and they're not going to do it. I mean, this Rwanda legislation is such an avoidable mess. No one believes it's going to work, and this whole problem has been created by the government saying they can stop the boats and they will be able to reduce immigration. They didn't need to say that. They didn't need to come up with this Rwanda scheme, which has horrified the left of his party, and the right don't think it goes far enough. So Mr Sunak and Downing Street have tried to create a wedge issue with Labour and gone, Labour can't be trusted on immigration, at the same time as immigration soars. This is such an avoidable mistake, and now a vote on this policy, which the government can't say won't be illegal, uh, and which the people on the right think isn't extreme enough, MPs are saying it's going to be a confidence issue, i.e. if they don't vote for it, that says they don't have confidence in the government. And that's Tory MPs saying that. So, you know, I thought an election in May, or possibly they try and push it back to winter, so when things are going better, but I think we are, it feels a lot like the end of Theresa May, where the government are going to lose votes, no one wants to go to bat for the Prime Minister anymore, and his list of allies grows thin. It's... It's really remarkable. It's really exciting. uh, And politics is kicking up. I mean, traditionally, January is a time for, uh, you know, overthinking and malaise and being sad that it's no longer Christmas. But we are probably going to have just blue on blue, brutal politics throughout the whole thing. So make sure you subscribe to The Scotsman uh, and get excited because I think next year is going to be really, really mad uh, if this year hasn't been feral enough. Thanks for listening. Thanks very much, Alex. And that's all we've got time for. Thanks very much, Rachel. And thanks, Joseph. Uh, tune in next week when we'll probably be discussing similar things again. We could be. But last week we said we predicted that we were going to once again be talking about um, Michael Madsen. And we haven't this week. So perhaps no, barely come perhaps, up. Um, perhaps it won't be the same next week. But I suspect it'll be more budget stuff, won't it? <laughs> well, thanks very much. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman.